Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting edition of Words, Images, and Worlds. Delighted to be talking with a creator who has been on uh, sort of, it's going to be a hidden episode now. It will be, you have to unlock the content. Um, but we'll, we'll call this the variant version, the gold foil edition of uh, the episode with comics creator Al Bigley. Al, thank you for jumping on and thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Great. Anytime, anytime. I am rocking some Spider-Man today, which you have some Spider-Man behind you, and you're currently doing a Batman and Robin thing. Right, right. Oh, yes, I forgot for a moment. <laughs> I have yeah. I have so many superhero T-shirts that people will comment. I've got to, I've got to look like, oh, oh, they're saying I'm a big fan of that. And mm -hmm. Oh, you mean 60s Spider-Man or Adam West. And <laughs> you've got to look and check. But for the longest time, you couldn't get the classic art on T-shirts. If you wanted a Spider-Man T-shirt, it was the McFarland stuff or mm -hmm. the most recent stuff in the 90s. And then finally, uh, manufacturers have been coming around to putting the classic 60s and 70s images on shirts. And I eat it up. <laughs> same, same. I, I enjoy a range. I enjoy all the, the takes. And I don't know, there's something fascinating to me about the different takes on uh characters so um I'll, I'll mention a couple of titles here at the beginning that folks might know you for um so mm -hmm. a couple of those being the golden books that i mentioned the last time that we were talking golden book takes on the batman characters featuring right. joker and catwoman um you've done some work with the fly which was an impact comic from from back in the day uh, and you have done a good bit of licensing, um, licensed type of content with the Batman animated series, those worlds. And I'm just always, uh, I'm excited to talk to anybody uh, in any way that has been involved with the Batman animated universe, because it's just been so mm. formative for me, so foundational in right. what I enjoy about the medium. So do, what have I missed? There, there are things, I know there are things. Um, well, like we discussed, I was doing uh, freelance work at the time. DC approached me for the Batman animated stuff. Things for first comics like Sable, um, some small press stuff. And um, I did those two golden books, a Joker-centered mm -hmm. book and a Catwoman book in like 1990. And so DC, I finally got on their radar after sending them samples. And they were giving me these assignments through their special projects department which was dedicated just to creating the art for literally special projects if someone came to them and said can you do a comic book on uh drug abuse can you do a comic that just goes with our product like the superpowers uh figures from the 80s mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or the radio shack tie-in comics they just had a department just to tap creators to create these things aside from the regular editorial stuff from, from the monthly comics one of the first things let me see here it is uh, besides those two golden books they had me do was um, these chess pieces. These oh, were love flat, it. flat chess pieces. These were inked by Mike DiCarlo. This is just some of them. And um, I don't even know if these ever appeared. I don't know if they were ever um, made into a chess game that uh, got published. But yeah, between this and the golden book stuff, um, a year elapsed. I did a lot of... Uh, stuff for a company called Brave New Words, a lot of alternative comic stuff. And then it's 1992, and the Batman animated series is in the works. 
And um, the first thing DC wanted me to do was stuff for their style guide mm-hmm. for the show. Mm-hmm. This thing is heavy. Oh, wow. Wait, it's a little disheveled. Um, now, a style guide is something that's made by a company whenever products are going to be in demand. Right now, everything you see for like Barbie, this Barbie movie, I'm sure Mattel has made an official style guide of pre-approved colors, logos, mm-hmm. all drawn and created by artists that they tap and they they um, commission. And this is no different. This this all came about because, you know, you and I, the 60s and 70s toys and graphics, say, for example, the Mego action figure group, they'd license Batman and the DC characters. Mm-hmm. That was a done deal. If they wanted to color Batman's boots yellow, DC was like, hey, we got your, your money and you do what you want. <laughs> and finally, companies started to realize, especially Disney, I'm sure, we've yeah. got to have some control over how these characters look on the merchandise because these are our copyrights. Yeah. Um, so this is a way they can have these pre-approved images. Everything is approved down to a nub. Um, let me show you some examples here out of this style guide. Like, um, you know, here's pre-approved artwork for the Batmobile. Oh, from, nice. from the yep. style guide. You know, somebody has to create that. Mm-hmm. Here is, you know, guides for Batman, including color call-outs. Everything's approved. Mm-hmm. That man will not have yellow boots this time. But this is done for everything that you see merchandise is made from. Here's like a big sheet of uh, some of the villains complete oh, nice. with the PMS call-out colors. Huh. And they even, they give you backgrounds, they give you logos, they even would suggest how the images are used on merchandise, boots, mm-hmm. coats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. hoodies again a lot of this stuff was never made this is to suggest how their visuals can be used the cool thing about working on that style god was we got to see early versions of some characters um that were going through changes you know bruce tim paul Dini, and the company were just getting things up and running creating a look creating the characters themselves this is an early run through of the look for Catwoman. They wanted to go with oh, wow. more of a 60s look. Yeah. Huh. And you can see how she evolved. Now, uh-huh. some of these involve later seasons. But, and of course, the biggest example of this is how they approached the Penguin. Because of Batman Returns, they had mm-hmm. to... Uh, the Danny DeVito. Leave. Right. Danny DeVito looked long hair. The the uh, the uh, Dickensian kind of look, the Victorian look for the Penguin. Another cool thing is we got original, we got looks at original Bruce Tim notes for how these characters move and react and uh-huh. how they bend, what's allowable, what's not. Nice. And this was exciting because I, I was a Batman fan, still am. Mm-hmm. And to see these early, you know, attempts, some are more Kirby-esque. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This was just so exciting. And now we all know they were looking at, of course, the uh, 40s Fleischer Superman. Um, I mean, they plan things like down to, you know, I think this is actually for maybe Mask of the Phantasm. No, it's a little early, but here's how Joker bleeds in a scene. Yeah, here's how his <laughs> costume is uh, is uh, ripped and torn and distressed. Huh. But we got to see that early. Here's this is the early Robin look based on what he would have looked like in uh, Batman Returns. He was scheduled to make an appearance late in the movie. Oh yes, yeah, uh huh, and. You know, I'm sure Warner Brothers had a lot of say, like, let's go more for, 
you know, uh, what we're seeing in the movie as a tie-in. Again, okay. more notes from Bruce Tim. How the reflections and highlights were observed. A whole shoot on how his Kate behaves. Love it. Lots of great stuff. But this was a lot of fun. Um, and because I got to work on the style guide, I soon got work on a lot of the merchandise, including, this is why I have this, a book and tape set based on the Almost Got Him episode. I remember that when I had that book on tape. I sure did. I threw a rock. <laughs> I hit him with a rock. <laughs> and uh, this was fun. This now goes for, because they say it's probably the first comic appearance of Harley Quinn neck and neck with Batman Adventures 14 I think ah I think that's it so I see this book going for you know a thousand dollars at conventions wow and I think I'm down to just two or three copies and I'm hanging on to those copies yeah I don't blame you but they sent me some of the storyboards for that episode to follow nice and that was a lot of fun you know Great deal of it. Love it, love it. I remember when, uh, I want to say, I can't remember the name of the magazine, but I remember before that show launched, there was sort of a, like, glimpse of it. And, and, uh, I mean, just to see the range of characters. There were so many characters that I just got to know through that show um, that I was not aware of up until that point. Well, um, you got to remember, this was a, a daily show in the afternoons. So they had a lot of content to fill and provide. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they were reviving characters like Firefly and, you know, the Ventriloquist. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and they created a lot of their own wonderful characters like Harley, like uh, Rocket Red, was it? Uh, Roxy Rocket. Was it there Roxy Rocket? Thank you. Um, and the Condiment King, of course. Got to have the Condiment <laughs> King. <laughs> and uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, from there, I did artwork for everything for um, toothbrush sets, beach towels. When you do work for the style guide, like I pointed out earlier, it can be on anything. And they tell you before you take the job, this can be um, on, on, on a million products. It might not get used for anything, but here's the fee. Here's the deadline. Are you okay with that? Mm-hmm. Um, I did I did the art for two Happy Meal boxes, which got on the... Uh, national um advertising from mcdonald's and those were fun and um one of the biggest and most fun assignments that came out of it were these kenner toys i got to do the art on the uh the front they sent me prototypes with a very rough sketch and i had to send the prototypes back unfortunately but i was collecting figures back then i do a little bit now and we got to uh I got to tell my fellow collectors, hey, they're finally making a Harley Quinn. They're finally making, you know, um, this character, Man Bat, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it was great because another person that got to do a lot of this work was Carmine Infantino, who was a a great 60s Batman artist responsible for the new look of Batman with the yellow moon on his costume and the more serious stories away from the golden age silliness that uh, Batman had succumbed to. Uh These were a great deal of fun. And, and I did about 30 of these those. I remember those so well. I, and here's I remember the, looking at that art and enjoying the art too. Thank you. Uh-huh. Here, Here's the least selling figure probably. Really? Ra's al Ghul. I and, loved my Ra's al Ghul. I was so excited yeah. when they came up with one. But I think 
they fail by not putting him in his famous cloak and his famous uh, more recognizable gear. But they probably thought we have to have him in some sort of action gear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of fans were upset with how many Batman variants they made, but we kept hearing kids want Batman. They want Robin. So let's do firefighter Batman. Let's do, you know, rescue Robin and undersea Robin. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Adult Saturday Clarkers. evening Batman. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, um, but this was a great deal of fun. Here's Mad Hatter. He was a cool figure. Oh, I yeah. hate how some of these are now getting yellow. It's like, no, they're not that old, are they? <laughs> but people like that you tell happen. me, hey, man, you made my childhood. I'm like, I guess they're that old. I, I mean, it was teenage years, though. So that, that's See, I'll, I'll accept it. <laughs> <laughs> got to do some of these little puzzles on the back. A lot, a lot of, of fun. And they DC produced so much stuff at that time for the series. And you, you hear people talk about it today. And um, I was at a recent convention and Kevin Conroy got mentioned a lot and the series got mentioned a lot. And I love how a lot of people reference the fact that Denny and uh, company said, we want to make a live action Batman series. It just happens to be animated. Yeah. And I still say Batman would lend himself to a great weekly series at the seventies. Batman was a globe trotting detective uh, all kinds of settings, all kinds of mysteries, plus the supervillains that can come out of the shadows. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these new movies I'm not so crazy about because he's just this kind of uh, kind of thug wearing armor. I mean, he's like this right. blunt instrument, and we've yeah. seen that so many times. Um, but that was a lot of fun. And people at conventions would see my work, and they go, hey, you know, do you ever want to draw the real Batman? I'm like, well, this is the real Batman. It is the Batman. Yeah. yeah. What was in the comics at the time to me was kind of like, you know, what are they doing? That's not Batman. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He's getting his back broken and he's, you know, he's in armor. and <laughs> but, yeah. but that was kind of cool. Um, here's something I didn't show you last time. In 2007 or, show, or so, I got approached to do my own How to Draw book. Nice. Which, nice. They, which the publisher, um, Watson Guptill, which is a huge publisher, they said, let's just concentrate on like special effects. We have so many how to draw books. Because by this time, I've been teaching cartooning locally for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I took a lot of those lessons about like negative space and shading and leading the eye and how to create glows and these effects. And I just said, is there a call for this? And, and they said, yes. And we made a book. It was in bookstores everywhere. And then five months later, the recession hits. So right. <laughs> it kind of bubbled under the uh the waves but uh but it was a lot of fun yeah and and what's funny is unlike comics and periodicals they gave me a very generous deadline um in fact like a year and a half to uh to create the book and when you've got that much time you can look at things and go you know let me change that hand let me uh let me modify the art. So it kind of is a bad thing to have all that time. Uh-huh. Next thing you know, you're <laughs> you're fiddling and you're fixing. and The perfectionism kicks in. Right. You don't get to do that when they need it next Thursday, which is the usual deadline. Uh-huh. But that was a lot of fun. And, um, and do you want to talk about my Power Rangers work now? Absolutely. And we also, I was going to mention the embodiment of characters that you do, because this is one of the things that I've seen from your 
um, videos and drawing tutorials is you'll actually do the cosplay and design your own costumes as well. So Power Rangers uh, and okay. Embodiment, which is a... Okay. Yeah. Um, right in the middle of doing all that Batman work, about a year later, 93, 90... Yeah, 93, 94. Um, Hamilton Comics called me. Hamilton was known for bringing over foreign Disney Ducks material and, and publishing it here. Um, it's, that stuff has a huge following, like Sweden, places like that. It's got a big following here. Mm-hmm. Shout out mm-hmm. to Carl Barks and his fans. And um, they were getting a license, a cheap license for this thing called Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. No one ever, I didn't know about it. No one knew about it. And it seemed really silly. But next thing you know, they said, let's get some comics done. You'll be the artist. We've got Jack, Jack C. Harris from DC Comics is writing it, a few others. Mm-hmm. Gray Morrow is going to be involved, a famous artist. And I got into it. It was so new, I had to buy like some of the toys to see what like the Zords looked like, the vehicles looked like. Um, you couldn't go buy like reference books or magazines about the show. Um, I had some pictures of the of the actors and then nailed those likenesses. Um, about three issues in, Saban got just huge and the show got huge and Saban got overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also doing some um, Golden Book workbooks for them based on Power Rangers. And they were just getting so many people bothering them. We want to do this. We want to do Power Ranger t- t-shirts and bath towels and curtains and robes. And for some reason, my first issue, which was ordered in previews, like it was a number one issue in previews. They used to keep those tallies got pushed back because they wanted a different artist for some reason. And I think either Gray Morrow or or John Hebert or somebody came in, but I actually technically drew the first Power Rangers comic book. Nice. And it was a lot of fun. We had to put up with things like if you remember, I think a year in some of the actors were asking for more money and they switched. Yes. Uh Yes. So there was, there there were stories we had done where I had to draw little face replacements (laughs) <laughs> back then, I think it meant going to a copy shop and copying them to the right size and oh, pasting wow. them over the old Jason and the old, where Rita was now um, Zed. They mm. had a new villain. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I still mm-hmm. have Power Ranger art with, where because I used um, rubber cement, I'll, I'll, I'll take them out and like the word balloons and the replacement heads would just fl- float down to the ground. <laughs> Even and now I see these actors at conventions. I've I've approached the fellow that played on um, Billy, the Blue Ranger. Do you know how often I have drawn your face and how I use <laughs> you in my cartooning classes when we talk about caricature and you know um, getting a likeness just right? <laughs> and I think he thought, hey, you know, this guy's kind of weird, but uh, but that was a lot of fun. I did some other things, some Power Rangers licensing work, and the weirdest thing of all. And this also goes for big money today. A little Power Rangers comic book. You see how small it is? Uh-huh. That was only available in little boys' underwear. Oh, wow. <laughs> this I did not for... remember comics in my underwear. Wow. This this was made for Fruit of the Loom. It's a, like a six-page story. I, now, I think it's never been reprinted. I think that's what makes it kind of rare. Uh-huh. Um, but I see this going for a thousand dollars. Oh wow! And I recently went through my stash. Like, how many of these do I have? I've got like <laughs> maybe four left. <laughs> and that's another thing you don't always get. 
you notice it's in mylar. <laughs> yes, yeah. You don't always get as a contributor um, copies of the work. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you can ask for them. Sometimes you go into Walmart and go, oh, there's that thing I worked on. Uh, uh -huh, uh -huh. But people always ask that. Do you get like 12 copies? And then sometimes you do. And other times it's like, you know, where is that, that, that toothbrush art for the, was that in stores yet? <laughs> no one, no one tells you, keeps you in the loop. They just commission the work and, uh, and like that. Mm -hmm. so, but it was a lot of fun. Very and, cool. Very cool. Very, very, besides this stuff, again, varied work, um, stuff for children's television workshop, um, working on features that tied into a show called Ghost Writer that was mm -hmm. on PBS back then, did a lot of stuff for that. NASCAR, uh, Disney, some things I do never get seen because it's stuff for conceptual conceptualization. Mm -hmm. most people that can't draw need artwork to make decisions, meaning um, should we make that toothbrush with that artwork? Let's see a mock-up. Okay, we can do that. Or no, that's going to be too expensive or that's that's going to be impractical in that form. They need to visualize it and see it. And artists get called on a lot for that kind of thing because like I tell my students, everything you see around you that's man-made started with a drawing. True enough. True enough. Even if we're in the computer age, someone's got to conceive of that thing and draw it and, and assemble the the specs and the design. Mm -hmm. Whether it's a chair, whether it's a car, whether it's clothing, it's glasses, mm -hmm. everything has got yeah. to be designed and drawn first. There will always be a need for that again, no matter what technology comes along. Yes, we're probably getting to where you can go to AI and go. Can you envision a, a toothbrush on Power Rangers cards with this kind of graphic in a vertical <laughs> orientation? And you're probably going to get what you need. Right, right. I think that's inevitable. But again, it's got to be conceptualized first. Mm -hmm. and yeah. Even with AI, it has to come from somewhere and then be respun. Right. There's nothing original there. Exactly. It's got to be. Again, the design's got to be forwarded. Nobody nobody goes into a factory and says, oh, I think we'll make Batman slippers. Let's just push a button and hopefully they'll come off the conveyor belt somehow. <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. Yeah, yeah. True enough. True enough. Yeah. Um, and very cool to see the examples. Uh, I'll share this as an audio form, but this is one of those episodes where if you're not checking out the video, Mm -hmm. um, which I just started making available after I started this project. Um, definitely recommend checking out the video for the uh, both the ambiance with the Captain America comic in the background and all the things, the spinner rack, but also um, the examples that you're showing because it's really interesting to see. Oh, speaking of that, I've got these here. Um, these are recent sketch covers I've done. I've been taking uh, kind oh, of classic poses. And painting nice. them and re refiguring them and re-presenting them in a new way. And uh, I just had them here at my feet. So it's, it's not a plug. It's just, oh, let's show these. Oh, yeah. Very cool. That, that's a famous pose by Kurt Swan. I always wanted to see this painted. Mm -hmm. And what I do, I come in with uh, colored pencils, dyes, crayon, and uh, some marker. And just, you know, here's a Gil Kane pose from back in the day love how you use so many tools as well right mixed media uh-huh 
But I like trying to get these images that we've seen in a flat two-dimensional way into a more 3D presentation, even if they're not totally representative. I mean, you can see I still put the thick lines around the figure. Mm-hmm. It's not a completely realistic rendering, but I like having it exist in that world where it's kind of fully rendered, but it's still comic book-like. Mm-hmm. Playing with those two extremes of flat and 3D. Yeah, yeah. And you you have the talent, you put the time in to say, I'd like to see this in the world. And yes, there it exactly. is. <laughs> yeah. Same with my cosplay. You know, I'd like to see a Daredevil 60s Wally Wood version exist in three dimensions. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, what do I got to do to make that? <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, now, and I recommend that folks also check out your YouTube channel because you do have, I, I love the Batman. You do sort of a guided drawing of Batman and you as Batman, I, I assume that's you, unless it's the real Batman, um, or are you the real Batman? You, you sort of come in and, uh, you, you do some dubbed voiceover and some really nice things to set it up as well. Um, I try to have fun. Oh yeah. I, I'm hoping my principal will let me do a comics club this year. And that video will make an appearance cool. just to sort of show the the process there. Very cool. Yeah. I always yeah. teach kids. It's the same thing that bugged you and I as a kid wanting to make a cool drawing. You got to start with the basic shapes. Mm-hmm. What really throws you off is, I, yeah, that's, that's shapes. Yeah, but I want that cool cape and I want that angry scowl. And I, well, we'll get to that. But first, let's plan it. Again, let's plan the design. Mm-hmm. Check our proportions. Check if we have enough room on the paper. Then come back and maybe start putting in those details. Because I remember like looking at a Neil Adams Batman drawing and how's he get that? Like the hands close to you and this is happening on the face. It's like you spend hours getting that face just right. And then why well, didn't leave room for the rest of the body? Or now <laughs> right. the, head's, the head's really big. Well, if you had planned it with basic shapes, mm-hmm. you would have avoided that. And so many new artists, they just can't wrap their head around. Let's plan it slowly and bring it up to the final drawing because that's not exciting <laughs> right right and they, so they can't all be modoc <laughs> right i remember when i discovered are you old enough to remember dynamite magazine i am i am indeed yeah in uh-huh. 1974 i saw it available an issue uh, at the supermarket and it had a comics feature in it where they looked at a different comic character every month and i discovered the fantastic four that way and it had a fantastic four poster Mm-hmm. which I think might be behind me anyway. Um, and I discovered the character of Mr. Fantastic, who was like Plastic Man. Yes. And I remember drawing him and telling my mother, um, look, it doesn't matter if he's too big or his head's too big. He can change his proportions and stretch. So don't worry if he has a short arm or <laughs> or a funny foot. He can he can stretch and make his body malleable. And, you know. True, that true. Good possibilities <laughs> with that character. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. So I mentioned the YouTube space. Any other spaces that you'd like to shout out as places where people can go? You do have a website. Right, albigley.com. Mm-hmm. And from there, you can go to another page that shows you like some of the things I've shown you, the pencil work, um, work in progress of some of these projects, other Power Rangers or Batman projects that you know, may have fallen between the cracks. Um, I've also got a site called Bigly, B-I-G-G-L-E-E, which looks at my cosplay creations, um, other comics, minutia, 
mm-hmm. that I enjoy, artists I enjoy. I'm on eBay, not just with the tutorials, but um, one interesting thing you can see on there is about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, um, the producers of the Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes cartoon had me uh, storyboard a segment and I put that segment up on YouTube. Disney knocked it down, <laughs> but I went to them and said, "I'm. can I just show this segment? I'm the artist. I'm the storyboard artist. Mm-hmm. And they said, yes. Nice. And they were fine with it. So let's give Disney some props. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm seeing. Yes. That's on there. Costume tutorials, um, cosplay tutorials, all kinds of fun things. Superhero rarities from like weird TV appearances. Carol Burnett's Supergirl. Love it. 80s 70s stuff just fun stuff for people our age and younger mm-hmm. you know? any well, any age it's uh the process of nostalgia passing on these things that we enjoy and saying hey you might like this too right they're young yeah. at heart that's right that's right absolutely um did did we miss in anything in the interview that you want to make sure to mention i'm double checking our uh message chain just to make sure I think, let me check my little notes here. Mm-hmm. There is the custom book. I see, I see. Yeah, yeah. I think we're good. Yeah. I, I tell people wanting to get into this career, um, if I could do anything more, I would just practice more. It's like playing the guitar. If you wanted to be the world's greatest basketball player, what would you do? You'd practice more. Okay. I think in this field, people think, well, I got to be talented. And I, I've never been a big believer in talent. Um, I got a lot of rejection. I just bounced back and just got better with practice, came back, more samples, more reaching out to people, just being available and not being knocked down by rejection is a big thing. Uh Um, And just doing it. I I know some great artists you'll never hear from because they they let rejection bother them or they're like, oh, why bother after like the second rejection? Why bother? Uh Uh Now, that doesn't mean you've got to make your art to appear in arenas that will get seen like books and, and all the things I've mentioned, you can have a great time just drawing on Sundays, painting on Sundays. And if it thrills you, you are an artist and that is the role of art. It did something for you. Mm-hmm. If it does something for other people, that same piece of art, that's great. That's an addition, but don't feel like you've got to be great or you've got to be published True. to enjoy art and participate in art. Now, especially with what we've got online, you can go right to your audience on YouTube, uh, on your own web page. You don't need to go to Marvel Comics and say, can you can I get can I draw this book? Can I get on that stage or CBS? If you're a musician, can you give me a deal with CBS Records or or whoever? Mm -hmm. You can just put your stuff out there, make your own audience, even if it's three people. Hopefully it'll grow, but you can do it and be seen that way. There are so many possibilities now, but if you like making art, whether that's cosplay, whether that's drawing, painting, singing, dancing, whatever, do it for you and be happy doing it. And if other people enjoy it, that's great. Absolutely. Yeah. Great message. Great message. Uh, well, well, thank you for being willing to talk with me a second time. Um, right. I, I appreciate both our, our original version as well as this, what did I call it? Gold foil variant sort of approach um hologram so, cover that's right the hologram cover i'll look for this on bag. qvc let's be on let's go on qvc with a big markup that's right that's right uh, but glad to have you on anytime and glad to talk to you again uh anytime that you'd like to share about any particular work 
I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. Thanks.